0: You're listening to Don't IEP Alone with special education advocate, Lisa Leitner. For more information about Lisa, the IEP toolkit, and more ways we can help you in your process, go to adayinourshoes.com. Now back to the show with your host, Lisa. With me this morning, I'm so excited because um, I've been trying to connect with Monica for, I don't know, months, maybe years. This is Dr. Monica McHale. M- 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 she is a vice, the first vice president of the Learning Disabilities Association of
1: America. Well, actually, um, I became the president in February, so oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't I'm update sorry. the website. That's all
0: right. Uh, yeah, you need to update the website. I, you know, and it's funny because I thought that, and then when I went to look at the website this morning, I was like, huh, I thought she was president, but okay. So she is yeah. president of the LDA of America. She's also a retired school superintendent and former school psychologist. She also just happens to live near me. That's how I know her because we are in the same circles here in Chester County. But I've been trying to connect with her. We've been trying to get together for years. And this is what it took. It took a right. pandemic for us to <laughs> finally have time to sit down together and provide information together for you all. So Monica, why don't you
1: introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about more about yourself before we get started? Okay. Okay. So, as Lisa said, I am currently, I became president of the Learning Disabilities Association of America back in February. Prior to that, I was the first vice president. And it's an organization I've been involved with for some time now because as both a parent of now adult children who had learning disabilities and other learning difficulties, and as a professional in in public education for 27 years, I have been... Particularly connected around the needs of students with learning disabilities, and um, I know that there are areas where educators, we can be, public schools can be doing a much better job, and that is why I decided to become involved in this advocacy organization. And then a lot of the policies that we advocate for through LDA are policies that help um, all individuals with disabilities. And our focus at LDA is beyond the K to 12 space, but the entire lifespan, because learning disabilities, like most disabilities, they don't disappear after you get out of high school. They continue, and there are continued struggles. So that's why um, I've become involved, and I'm happy to be here, and I have a lot of admiration for Lisa. I I peruse her page all the time and look to her for guidance and advice because she is an advocate extraordinaire but um and and i know she she has she lives the experience with a a son who has quite a lot of needs but who's also just a joy to watch him grow up on facebook so that's who he is (laughs) he is
0: so well thank you again for joining us um today As most of you know I sent out emails and we posted all over the place that we are going to talk about regression so let me go to screen share and and here we go we are going to talk about uh, regression so I hope that you can all see that and really I want to talk about embracing regression and people go oh I can't believe like how could you even say that and I and I do mean it as Monica said I live this experience um, I have a child with significant needs and we have had several periods of regression throughout his really short academic career. He's only in seventh grade and we've had um, several medical situations that have resulted in regression, which we'll talk about different types of regression in a minute. But for that reason, I think I'm really not afraid of regression anymore because I do know what to expect and I have a better personal handle on you know how to deal with it. So one of the reasons I think that we can embrace this type of regression that we're all kind of fearing right now is because it's planned. Um, and I know, and I'm sure Monica knows because she's been doing this a long time, that many of you, and I've talked to literally thousands of you who have lived this experience where your child is regressing, but you're still sending them off to school every day. And You know, you're sending them off to school, and the situation's just getting worse and worse and worse. And that's kind of like, you know, that's unplanned regression that you think the IEP is serving your child well, or maybe you know that it's not, but you're just not being successful in getting what your child needs just yet. And so, you know, the child's going to school, but nothing, you know, a lot of learning isn't taking place. So, um, of course, if a child is out for an extended illness, um, summer and other breaks, lack of appropriate instruction, or an insufficient amount of instruction or opportunities and reinforcement. So if nothing else, at this point in time, we can plan for this. You know, many of you have already posted how long your school's gonna be out. So you have, you know, at least some kind of end date there of how long you need to do this for. Do you wanna add anything there, Monica? Um, I think
1: you you pretty much <laughs> covered it. And, and I think we just have to keep stressing. And I know it's not comforting. It's not comforting to parents and it's not comforting to educators, but we're really in unprecedented times. And I think the one positive that maybe um, parents of kids with IEPs can think about is you have a little bit of a roadmap that parents of kids who don't have disabilities don't have, right? You know the specific goals, assuming that the IEP was well-written, and that's a whole other um, day and presentation, but assuming that you have a well-written IEP, you have kind of a, ro- a roadmap of what your child was working on, should be working on, and y- you have some direction that other parents who haven't been as intimately involved in their children's education don't have that. So That's a good I'm point. Trying- I hadn't even I mean, thought of that. Okay, and of course,
0: every presentation needs an inspirational quote. So, life is 10% what you experience and 90% how you respond to it. So, again, as Monica said, this is new for everybody. We've spent a lot of time this week explaining to our kids that this is really a once in a lifetime thing. You know, I don't think we'll ever experience it again. Um, and we've never experienced it before, obviously, and since they're saying since the flu of 1918 and 19. So, it's been 100 years since we've done anything like this. But some of the positives here is that for the first time ever, in, in addition to having the roadmap and having an IEP that you kind of know what to expect and what to work with for your child, we have a hundred percent control over our kids' environments for, you know, the next several weeks or months. And that's pretty huge. I know I've heard from a lot of parents over the years that they say, oh, well, I wish the teacher wouldn't say this to my child, or I wish that they would respond in this manner, or I wish they would do this and wouldn't do this. Um, I wish this was happening. Like all of that, you have control over that right now. You know, I, I know that we're not, we're parents and we're not teachers and related service providers. But at the same time, like anything we want in our IEP right now to provide,
1: we can provide
0: it as parents.
1: Um, and there's, there's things that you've been wanting to try and you wish the school would try. Now, it's not the same situation, clearly, but it, especially if it's something instructional, it's your opportunity to try it and collect some data that when we get back to school, because it is when, it's not if, we will eventually get back to school. You, you're you going to have a lot of valuable information to ch- share with the educators.
0: Right. Um And and that's, again, why I think we need to embrace this and say, you know, for the next three, four, six weeks, I have 100 percent control over my child's environment. And this is happening to just everyone. I know that many times it feels like when you are going through a period of either plateauing or regression, regression, um, it feels like you're the only one. But this is literally every child in the country is going through this right now. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a truth bomb. The IEP process never gets easier. You get better. If you do not learn the IEP process and how to use it to your advantage, your child will get left behind. That's exactly why I created the Don't IEP Alone series of advocacy courses for parents. Join us and gain the knowledge, skills, and support you need to navigate the complex world of special education and IEPs. Visit a day in our shoes.org for more information.
1: Hey, Lisa, I'm seeing some comments that if there are slides, we can't see them. Uh, ah. I don't know if you can. And yes, there are slides. And she's yes, there it. are.
0: Uh, it says it's sharing it. Um, OK, well, as I said, this is we have 100 percent control over our kids' environments and it's not, you know, it's happening to everyone, not just our kids. So I'm still looking at my slides. I wanted to talk about what is regression. The actual definition is a return to a former or less developed state. Um, I think that when we talk about it, we're, we're worried about a loss of skills. So whether that be academic skills, um, ADLs, executive functioning, um, mental coping skills, um, and so much more. I, th- I think that we need to think about this as the whole package and not just not just academics. Um, you know, it's it's going to be everything. It's going to be even waking up on time. You know, it's it's. Um, it's going to be like the summer slide so to speak but but longer and in the spring it's i think it's also important to remember that everyone regresses not just our kids we've all had times of personal growth and personal regression you know whether that be at work in your professional development um personal relationships you know health and fitness all those other things that regression is it's a normal human function and we, what, we, uh, what we can do is we can focus on what we can control. Everyone knows that's one of my mantras, focus on what we can control. And what can we control? We can control the environment, we can control the opportunities that our kids have right now to a certain extent, and we can also control the feedback that they're getting.
1: And I think too that we have to remember that there, while there's definitely gonna be a regression in certain types of, of learning and skills, um, Learning is a whole lot more than what happens in school every day, and there are a lot of other opportunities um, for our kids to learn how to cope with uh, an anxiety-producing situation, to develop, you know, work on their relationships with their parents, to learn skills around doing chores and, um, you know, being a really important contributing member of their family during this difficult time. So we have to focus on the whole picture, right?
0: Um, so I think as parents, you're going to have to look at your IEP or your school plan and decide what you want to accomplish in the next couple of months or weeks or however long you know we're going to have with this. Some of you do know that your kids aren't going back to school until next August or September, so you have to decide what you want to do. Do you are are you just working to maintain your child and prevent as much regression as possible, are you going to try to help them progress and you want them to gain skills or knowledge. And keep in mind, this can be on or off the IEP. Um, The IEP is certainly a good roadmap to go by, but there might be opportunities or things that you want to do right now that have nothing to do with the IEP that you want them to grow in, areas to grow in. And I would think um, things like toilet training, if if your child needs assistance with that, that might be one, you know, things like shoe tying. You know, something small that maybe doesn't get enough attention in school. But um, you know, like I said, now at home you have 100% control over your environment. So regression is tied to the IP. Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to like look at the presentation now and your comments so I can um, address them and do it all at once. Okay, or nothing. You know, some of you I know are healthcare workers, and thank you very much for all your hard work right now but some of you are healthcare care workers or grocery workers or you know those essential folks who are really really relying on right now and you might not be able to dedicate a lot of time to this and you just want to you know kind of maintain what you can do and have good records for when you do go back to school and we're going to help you get there um this is also as Monica had said, this is an opportunity to try homeschooling your child. Another comment I've heard from many parents over the years is that, you know, I'm done. I'm so done with this IEP fight and I'm just gonna keep my child home and homeschool them. Mm -hmm. Um, Now is really your opportunity to try that and see if if it's the right decision for you, you know? I'm sorry, this is a little awkward. I really wish I had this presentation to share with you guys. So it's important to start with baselines and baselines are something i preach all the time that you know the present level section of your iep is the most important section of the iep um, and it should be filled with accurate and objective baselines for your child's skills and abilities um so that that's going to be your starting point make sure that that's accurate and also maybe document them now because maybe your child hasn't been evaluated for two years or you know, they're due for reeval this year, so those baselines um, may not be as accurate. So, you want to look at your progress monitoring data, anything that you have to kind of determine where your child is right now. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Monica?
1: well, to be repetitive, like at least you have that, right? You know what your child was supposed to be able to be doing right at the last time that they were evaluated. So this could be a good time for you to check in, start there, kind of do your own little informal assessment and see where they are, like like Lisa said, and collect that baseline data. Um, but then you might also see like, well, maybe this wasn't the best way to be collecting this data. Maybe what they were collecting was making my child look like they had more skills than they did, or maybe less skills than they did. So I would really kind of dive into those present ed levels and look at the goals and see how your child is is measuring up right now. But doing that, you know, like Lisa said, a lot of you are not just that you're healthcare workers, but a lot of people are expected to be working at home and some employers are making even more demands and telling their, their folks to be available, for example, between like 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. So I'm not suggesting that you're sitting there for like four hours a day with your child and, and drilling and, and killing, but maybe a little, you know, look that, look that document over and then little segments here and there kind of jump in and see where where your child is and what they're able to do and not do and what they can do with support and what they can do independently and then go from there right so
0: i'm trying to think of how i want to ask you this for parents who are listening or watching and talking about present levels, if they're talking about academics, and let's just say reading ability, because we know that's a huge one, mm-hmm. um, what would you say to the parent who maybe doesn't understand their reading assessment scores or what it all means?
1: Um, I would say, number one, you're not alone, um, because there's a lot of different ways we report reading. And we, we've we kind of um, distilled it to a very simple what's my child's reading level? What's my child's you know grade equivalent? And that is really not very accurate. So what I would suggest to parents, and maybe this is a good thing that we can put on our LDA website, is looking at those different components of reading, right? So to look at, you know how well does your child decode words and read words in isolation um, when they are decoding and reading connected text, are they doing that with, with fluency and accuracy, or is it very labored and they're struggling over every word? So there's a lot of pieces, there's a lot of moving parts to understanding reading levels. And, and if your child is struggling in reading, what you should have in your IEP is that broken down, right? So you should understand where your child's word reading and decoding skills are. You should understand, you should have some kind of measure of what their fluency is, How how accurately, and it's not just speed with fluency, it's that prosody, it's the way your child is reading so that you know they are um, understanding, right? They're paying attention to punctuation, they're pausing. So the, the way you read a story to your child is ultimately how we want our kiddos to read back to us. And then to talk about what they read and to answer very direct questions, but also to be able to retell the story. So your IEP, when your child is struggling with reading, should have information about word reading, about fluency, and then additional information around comprehension. And if it does, then you're in good shape and you have that roadmap. If it doesn't, um, then maybe this is a time for you to dig a little deeper and, and start to see what does my child, what can they do with words in isolation? How, how do they sound when they're reading um, books that are, that you were told were on their level, and can they tell the story back to you or or answer some questions or make predictions about what might happen next? And that's what we would, I don't know if that helps or not, but that's probably a good piece of guidance we should be putting on our LDA website for parents.
0: Yeah, I just, I think, you know, having read a zillion present level sections and having read a zillion IEPs, I know that a lot of time that present level section is filled with A lot of data and numbers and um, percentages right there's percentages
1: And and there's percentiles and there's grade equivalents and standard scores so maybe we need to that's another quick and easy reference we could because they mean a lot of different things and I recently was having a conversation with a parent who was looking at standard scores on her child's IEP and those scores were in the 70s and she because she's a parent and no one ever explained otherwise, was kind of conceptualizing those scores to be like getting a C on a test, right? 70%, but a a 70, that's a standard score, means something very different. So that's another good piece of guidance because without understanding those different numbers, you really can't make sense of what those present ed levels are. Right, and that's,
0: um, yes, I know as an advocate, I. Um that's what I do for parents is I help them translate that kind of information. And I recently had a parent with some speech scores and she didn't really understand the, she didn't really understand them. Like, like you said, it was a percentage and she was like, Oh, well, that's like a whatever percentage, I guess in my head, that would be equivalent to, it was like a 60 or 70% something. But upon further digging and I said, you know, just so you know, that means your child has the speech abilities of about a six month old. Um, and I hate delivering that kind of news, <laughs> um, it's not fun at all. But again, you have to dig in and really understand what you're looking at. And if that's overwhelming to you right now, um, you might just have to start with what it looks like in person and start with, um, what, some text, some simple texts, yeah. and can you read this and, and kind of move on from there. Um, See, Tracy has a question. Does middle school and high school IEPs show the same for present levels? They should.
1: they, yeah. I mean, they absolutely should. And um, one thing that's very frustrating to me is when I see IEPs and I see this more when kiddos get to middle school and high school where they do report present levels in terms of grades Grades are very subjective. They're based on a lot of different things, and that is is not okay for present ed levels. And if your middle school student or your high school student is struggling with reading, um, then you need to to get that information that we just discussed a minute ago. There's lots of components to reading, and I see somebody making a comment about listening comprehension, and that's also a big, because reading comprehension comes from listening comprehension. Um, There's a whole layer of print in between it, but you need to know what does your child understand when you read it to them versus what do they understand when they read it on their own. Um, But all that should be in there for middle and high school kids, especially those who are struggling with reading. And you're right. I see that dropping out an awful lot. And I hear folks saying things like, well, we don't we don't teach decoding in middle school. Well, if a child hasn't learned how to decode, then you need to teach decoding in middle school. Right. right.
0: And if this is overwhelming to some parents right now, because you're thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm not a reading specialist. I'm not a special ed teacher. You can just deal with what you have in front of you, such as, right. you know, get kind of in, in a real life, you know, where the rubber hits the road picture of give your child, say a Dr. Seuss book um, and can they read that and kind of move on from there or, you know wherever their ability, where you think their ability might be, um, and and just kind of get get a picture for yourself because we don't expect you to be reading specialists Correct. during this
1: time either. And there's nothing more valuable, even even for kids who have reading struggles. And yes, we want them to be practicing and we want them to be growing in their ability to read words and decode and spell and encode. There's nothing more valuable than reading with your child or reading to your child and then talking about what you read. And um, even for kids who can read well, there's nothing better than picking a book that's a more difficult book, like maybe, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and, and reading that and having really robust discussions about what's happening in that story, because that's where kids develop vocabulary and background knowledge, and that is what's really going to carry them through as they advance in the grades. Right.
0: Um, okay, so once you've determined kind of where your child is in present levels. And we've talked a lot about academics, but I want you to also just think about daily life too, because again, we're going to have 100% control over our kids' environments. So things like um, dealing with transitions and your ADLs. I also think that we need to, I just want to remind parents to, if your child struggles with say like the SEL, social and emotional learning concepts such as, uh, conflict resolution, um, transitions, um, dealing with the unexpected, um, problem solving. You have to remember. That's <laughs> um, You have to remember that when your child is home, there are likely going to be a lot fewer demands put on them in this kind of SEL um, arena. So. You want to think about what you can do, and I'm not saying that you antagonize your child all day, every day, but you want to provide them with these opportunities to kind of exercise that part of the mind and problem solving and conflict resolution and all these soft skills, again, that they're not going to have the opportunity to partake in or deal with over the next several weeks or or months. Um, Things like, you know, being on time to class, if you have a middle schooler or above who has to get, you know, from one end of the building to another and and projects and just, again, all those soft skills that we wanna make sure that they have the opportunity to use that part of their brain and, and deal with that and not just have fewer demands on them because they're at home.
1: Yeah, and to that end with, especially with um, kids who are a little bit older and who have more skills, giving them a project, helping them to pick out something that they're interested in and having them research it and then write about it and organize it. You can um, work on some of those skills that Lisa was just talking about like time management and organization and you know by by Thursday I want you to have this done and give me a report at the end of the day and and having them work on revising and editing. So it doesn't mean mean that you're going to be sitting there with them all the time but you can certainly set up situations where they're working on time management and organization. And the other thing is um, frustration tolerance, right? Persisting with difficult tasks. And um, this is an opportunity to not only see how your kid does with that, but kind of set things up and give them encouragement so that they stick with things that are difficult because tenacity and perseverance, they're the things that are gonna get you through life, um, even when your skills aren't great.
0: Right. And even, you know, Monica said earlier, this is your opportunity to try something at home consistently and go back to school with a lot of data that, hey, this worked. So if let's just say you've been bugging your IEP team and you want them to implement like a daily visual schedule and for whatever reason they've resisted doing that, you can do that at home now. And if your child responds really well to it, you know, you're going to have that data to tell them hey, we did this and you know, my child followed through on all the assignments as long as he had a visual schedule to work with. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so from there, once you've determined what your child's kind of present levels are everywhere, you know, life, academics, everything, um, you wanna decide what you wanna focus on and what do you wanna achieve, what do you wanna maintain and what do you wanna grow over the next few weeks? and you're just going to have to pick that based we can't do everything all the time again i'm not a reading specialist i'm not a speech therapist um, i'm not all these things um so you have to prioritize what resources do i have available what kind of time do i have available because different families are going to have different amounts of time available to dedicate to this and um and just kind of decide what you want to focus on over the next few weeks or months. Some schools are providing this, but some are not. Sorry. I'm just looking, I just want to, before I move on, I want to look at the questions. Why doesn't your school have good present levels? That's, we can that's deal with that question. a different day, but yeah, um, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other Facebook live broadcast for another day, which maybe I'll do since now we have time a long post about EI, EI services have shut down, right? So this is a question and I know there's a few parents, we we talked about this in the Facebook live last week. If you had an IEP meeting scheduled, um, I would absolutely recommend that you do it online or by phone if you're given that opportunity, Um, just because things are gonna be extremely hectic when we do get back and trying to reschedule that is gonna be a nightmare. Um, Keeping in mind that the same rules still apply, they have to have the full IEP, mandated IEP team members, make sure that you, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's and do a follow-up IEP meeting email and say, hey, this is what we talked about today, Um, because there might be a larger lapse in time from the IEP meeting to when you receive the final copy. So you want to make sure that the final copy that you get is the one that you're expecting. Um, But then also, you know, some schools have just canceled IEP meetings. And I did speak with an attorney, last week about this and i mean he's a he's a parent attorney he's a former attorney for school districts but he's he works on the parent side now um he i mean he just i have to be the realist here his expectation is that schools are going to be given a lot of leeway and a lot of flexibility during this time so if your annual iep is coming up and you really like should be having the meeting but but the school's canceling it i don't think that they're going to school's necessarily going to have any repercussions for canceling that they're going to be given a lot of leverage to do those types of things so i think if that happens you just have to be patient and do what you would normally do as far as a parent concerns letter and things like that um so for those of you though who are in and it's saying hopefully it's not many but but nationally it probably is a big group of kids who are in a transition either um, out of early intervention into preschool or out of preschool, you know, now is the time of year when a lot of these pre-kindergarten meetings are happening. Mm-hmm. So all those, you know, emerging kindergartners, you've been put on hold. Some of you have been told that you're not having an IEP meeting till September. Um, I, I don't even know, I don't even know what advice I have. Um, I don't know if you have any Monica, cause I just, I just, think that schools are going to be given so much leverage and leeway and not holding these meetings. You can't really, you know, when we have all these governors standing up saying everybody stay away from each other, we don't really have anything to kind of force the schools to have a meeting.
1: Correct. I mean, the one thing that is easy to do by phone or by web conference is an IEP, if you can get everyone there. Right. And I do think that what's happening is that some school districts and superintendents are hopeful that they're going to get back to school. So, rather than making teachers work right now, they're just planning to tackle days at the end. I think as weeks and days go on, they're going to reassess, and I know they're reassessing those decisions. Um, but the thing that, I, I know it's a frustrating time if you're a parent, if you're an advocate, but the thing that I have to, to really stress is that because I straddle both worlds, right, 27 years in public schools as a school psychologist and an administrator and a parent of kids who who had learning disabilities and other difficulties and as as a current advocate, and I've been advocating for quite a while now, I have to tell you that what is warming my heart more than anything is that I go on Facebook and many of my Facebook friends are former colleagues And many of them are special ed teachers because, you know, when you're a school psychologist, they're the folks you become buddy-buddy with. And they are stressing about their kids. They are worried about the kids and their caseload. I know that some of them, even though their districts are telling them not to, have reached out to the families and said, you know, anything that I can do. So my, my belief is that when things start to get back to normal, educators are going to be scrambling to play catch up and they want to make sure the vast majority, and I know I can see some of the comments, I know that there's frustration and trust me, I have become so frustrated. You have no idea, Um, (laughs) especially because I saw things from the other end and I became frustrated then, probably why I'm so active in advocacy now. But um, most educators get into this because they really do want children to succeed they're invested in children and I would put special educators at the top of that list so I think people are are constantly brainstorming right now how are we going to make this all up how are we going to catch up and I would expect that they're going to be doing a lot of things in the summer assuming (laughs) that things die down and we can start to gear up for fall so yeah keep your fingers crossed but I think people have good intentions and are trying to problem solve
0: um, I want to answer Stephanie's question. She said, "How should we be documenting what we are doing with our students, and why is this important?" Um, yeah, Mon. I'm I'd like to hear your take on that, Monica, from a, a school psychologist and administrator's point of view. And right. and let me just say first, I you know I know with bloggers, bloggers create printables and PDFs all the time, and I thought about doing that in conjunction with this and providing you all with some kind of. Um, progress monitoring data tracker first of all if you go to teachers pay teachers um, there's a zillion of them on there so i don't need to reinvent the wheel and they're very affordable they're all like one or two dollars but the other thing is that it's going to look different for every person and i don't want to overwhelm i think there's so much information flying around right now of what you should be doing with your kids and hey here's a list of resources here and here's a list of resources there and here print this book and print that book um, I, I just didn't feel like one more printable needed to be added to the mix. Um, but that being said, some, some people do want guidance on how do you think they should be documenting just, I don't know, I would say just a notebook.
1: Yeah, I would say just a notebook. I mean, don't overwhelm yourselves, right? We're all balancing a lot of things while we're at home. And uh, and we all have a layer of fear and anxiety on top of it. So let's not make our lives more complicated. Keep a notebook. Jot down what you're doing. Um, jot down what you're noticing. You know, you, the school said your child is able to, you know, read a list of multisyllabic words. Well, now you're at home for a couple weeks, and they're not reading those words that they supposedly read before. Make a note of that because. If the child was doing that, well, they've either regressed or they just didn't really master that skill and it's something they keep—they need to keep working on. Um, if there are things that your child is doing especially well, make a note of that, right? Um, I teach school psychology or future school psychologists right now, and parents really do know their children best. And at all times, not just during a pandemic, but at all times, what you're seeing at home is a really valuable and important part of the evaluation process and and really understanding the present ed levels because it's great if kids can do things in school in a very structured environment with lots of supports and cues but ultimately we need kids to be able to demonstrate what we're teaching them at home with some degree of independence or you know when they're out on their own so it doesn't have to be lots of numbers or fancy graphs or anything, but just notes of what you are noticing that is that is concerning to you or positive to you, or if you're helping your child, what are the cues or what do you do to kind of alter the task a little bit that makes it more understandable to your child. All that is really important and valuable information that most special educators and school psychologists would really embrace receiving that kind of data. Right,
0: good. Um, Okay, before I move on, how can you implement speech therapy? I would say I know that I did one of the many many lists that I saw come out this past week was from ASHA, the American Speech and Hearing Association, which is the professional group for speech therapists. They had a ton of stuff on their website. resources that they were recommending during this time. The other thing is, you know, if you have that speech therapist's email, just email them and ask them. Say, hey, can, can we talk for 10 or 15 minutes and just give me exercises to practice with my child? Um, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to them. Um, what if the homework is the same for special ed and gen ed? You want to do the same things now as best you can that you would be doing during the school year. And my recommendations always for homework are, to be reasonable. Like if homework is taking four hours a night, that's not reasonable. Right. Um, and that teachers keep in mind, teachers only see completed assignments. They don't see the tears and the frustration and the arguments that went into that homework. So if those things were required to produce that homework, the mm-hmm. teacher needs to know. That goes uh, in
1: your notebook. You write Yes, that
0: down. exactly. Use your notebook. Um, and, the other piece is that I, I just did a podcast interview with a teacher recently who, you'll, anyway, she said, you have to keep in mind that no teacher plans homework assignments with the intent of making your child cry or stealing away all your family time and your free time. You know, that's not why they create homework. So if that is what's happening, the teacher needs to know, because again, they only see the completed assignment um okay um yes if if teachers are pushing out content right now it should be modified to you know they still have to follow ieps if they're providing content for students it's it's kind of like an all-or-nothing approach if if they're providing content for one student they have to provide content for all students so yes ieps are still in play and and the department of ed has been very clear about that Um, okay, so let's move on. So, all right, we talked about what you want to focus on, you know, again, pick what you want to focus on in the next couple of weeks and you know yourself and your family best. So that might just be one area. It might be 10 areas. You know what you can handle based on your own personal priorities. Um, you also you know, you just have to know yourself. Some folks do best with a really simple setup. And some folks, you know, there are, there are the Pinterest moms out there and I'm not knocking them, but some parents just do better when they have a whole setup around them and, and a whole setup of, you know, they're doing a desk and a table and, um, you know, a, a bulletin board, you know, again, you have to do what works for you um, and know yourself and know your child. But, it's, it's really just four steps. Decide what you want to do. Use, use what data you have available and what resources you have available and decide what you want to do over the next weeks or months. Plan it out, do it, and record it um, and review it. So, um, you know, make it translatable to the school for when you get back so that you have this data to provide them and say, this is what we did each day and, um, this is what worked, this didn't, and so on. Um, So Stephanie asked another question, if schools are doing online teaching for gen ed, should I expect all hands on deck for my students, speech, OT, hard of hearing support?
1: Um, (laughs) We don't know yet. This is unprecedented times, I can tell you That there are definitely school districts that I'm already hearing about that are attempting to um, provide those related services through web conferencing, Um, and that's going to be more and less doable in in, depending on what it is exactly that your your child's needs are and what they were needing to work on. So we we're going to have to wait and see.
0: Right, um. And I know I've said I've taken. um, criticism from some of the hardliners as far as what I consider to be realistic advice as to what to expect in the next couple of weeks. But I do think that you need to be realistic. If, Mm -hmm. if something that your child requires, like requires someone coming into your home and doing one-on-one in-person something with them, um, that's just not a realistic expectation right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just monitor that. Keep your data and you know, pursue remediation of some form when we do get back if, if that's what it comes to. But I think that just expecting someone to come into your home right now just isn't realistic.
1: I would agree with that. And I wouldn't want someone to come in if I had a child at home right now, or I'm thinking of my own grandson. I wouldn't want somebody who I don't know exactly where they've been and who they've been interacting with to come into my home. Right.
0: Um, right. And there's that piece of it. Some, yes, some aren't, are still maybe not, I don't want to say not taking it as seriously. Some are comfortable with that. Some are not, but, um, you have to think of every person that would come into your home, you're responsible for knowing who they came into contact with. And at the same time, um, it's not fair to them because they don't know who you and your family have come into contact with. Um, so certain things like hard of hearing support, I think if Yes, it needs to be accessible. So if there's, you know, whatever, whatever assistive technology you're using, um, that that should be available to you in the home. And, you know, but as far as a speech or an OT coming to your house, or maybe a sign language interpreter coming to your house. No, I wouldn't expect that. Um, Do you think they will have ESY? Hmm. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) We just don't know. Um, I would say personally, if your child is in that, um, like there's not going to be a camp or a tutoring or anything that's ever going to be appropriate for my child. But if there is some type of intense camp or intense tutoring session or, um, you know, one time my cousin just paid privately and they did the Linda Mood Bell thing every day, five days a week over the summer. Um, and they just paid for that themselves. I would say if that is something that is appropriate for your child, I would research those programs now, um, you know, and be ready for them and see what kind of, what you can make happen for ESY if that's what's appropriate for your child. Um, I think that schools are definitely, and I'm sure they are, I think they're definitely gonna need to reevaluate ESY this year and what that's gonna look like. Um, So, um, why do I think teachers aren't just copying the work they were going to do, but instead are creating new curriculum? Um, I don't know that all of them are creating new curriculum. I think they are just implementing what's there, but I think that they have to um, change it up to be able to implement it online.
1: Yeah. Um, I teach at Temple, and we went all, all online, and it seems, oh, that's easy. But it, it's not quite as easy as it seems because, you know, you're, you are you find out how much you talk at people when, um, and you can't really expect students, even graduate students to sit there for two and a half or three hours and listening on a video. It's hard enough when they're, you're live. So, you know, there's, you have to kind of change up the format and find videos and find other resources to keep people engaged because sitting online, sitting on a computer, is different, and we know that our kiddos nowadays, our younger ones, are used to a lot of stimulation, and and unfortunately, some of us educator folks are just not quite as exciting as PJ Masks and other things, you know. So. Yeah, um, if they could find a way to teach kids through Madden,
0: I would be so set. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um just some advice from candy here she says please keep in contact with your is um she's been working really hard this week she feels like she's worked really harder than ever before but that it's been fun um yeah and i think that's part of it too and that's part of this and let's let's just embrace that this is going to happen and deal with it rather than sitting around and fretting and saying oh my god my my kids are out of school for so long they're going to regress it's about embracing it and dealing with it and um and doing the best that we can in a very difficult situation. Um, I, know that, I know that I hear from a lot of parents who have anxious kids and um, I'm sure that there's a lot of anxiety going around right now. So, um, you know, that, that alone can be very disruptive. Yes, this will be available for replay. Uh, a lot of people talking about doing Skype, Zoom, Google Hangouts, all of those things are available. I believe, was it Zoom that went free during this crisis?
1: Yeah, I found out a little more. There, it's up to a thirty-minute session, which honestly, you probably shouldn't be pushing it much more than thirty minutes at a time for for kids. So, yes, but the the Zoom CEO made the, the platform available for K to twelve schools for no cost. Oh, good.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, if we have an IEP meeting set up, do you think we can request related services via Zoom? I mean, you can request anything. Again, it goes back to that. I really think that schools are going to be given a lot of leeway in the coming weeks and months as far as what they're required to provide. Um, And just keep in mind that if you if you push for that now that you may um, You may relinquish any rights to comp ed or remediation when we do go back.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So you, you want to weigh that weigh that out. What if they did not send home assistive technology? Um, all I can say is you can email someone and say, hey, is there anyone in the building to go pick it up? Other than that, you know, they're closed. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, I know Pennsylvania has IUs, which not everyone has, um, but they're kind of like large resource centers for us. And if you have something like that at your county or state level, you might wanna try emailing them and see if you can take a loaner out if they're still open. Mm-hmm. Um, when we go back to school, what would be the first thing that you do?
1: <sighs> I think the biggest challenge is going to be getting your child out of bed and dressed and on to the bus or getting them out the door and to school. That would be the first thing, working on that, right? It's going to be baby steps, it's going to be learning all over and not just for kids with more significant disabilities it becomes real comfortable and cozy when you don't have to leave your home and you're there with mom and dad. So I'm anticipating we're going to see an increase of of, separation anxiety and school phobia when that happens because the world has changed for kids right now. Right, right. This is a really, um,
0: you know, I just think of my own grandmother who raised me and she was raised during the Great Depression and just over her life, how much that influenced who she was um, and life choices that she made based on being raised and a time when people had nothing. Um, and I think that this is that pivotal moment for our kids and we need to keep that in mind. And this is, I mean, this is a big deal. We're worried about regression in our kids and their IEPs. And I think, but no one's even forecasting six, 12, 18 months out and the mental health repercussions that we're gonna be dealing with down the road.
1: Yeah. Um, Somebody said celebrate when we go back. Yes, I think we should have big celebrations. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, and that's that's focusing on the positive, focus on the positive and how much teacher appreciation this is generating and school appreciation and things like that and people really coming together.
1: Um, Yeah, and this is an opportunity for us to really kind of learn how to collaborate and work together because we don't have any other choices right now.
0: Right. Again, focus on what you can control. Um, Let's see. Situation specific. If we have to move during this crisis, who would be responsible for comp ed? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I really don't. Um, And the only thing that I've really heard about comp ed is that the the governor of Ohio. That's the only situation I was really following. Um, the governor of Ohio put out a a proclamation kind of letter about special ed. And, um, he said that comp ed needed to be considered. So he kind of put it on the table and opened that door. But as far as I know, he's the only governor who has done that. And, you know, I wouldn't even know what to do. Um, you're, you find that your child is more social and communicative while working at home, but homeschooling is not an option. Keep notes, yeah. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. keep notes, your notebook. Um, as Monica said, there's a lot of comfort in being around mom and dad and siblings and being able to open up. So that's that SEL piece that I don't even know how to provide those opportunities right now. I don't know if you have any ideas on that one, Monica.
1: No, I don't. <laughs> um, but just taking note of what works and what, it, what we think it is. I mean, a lot of times what makes kids more comfortable, um, so you're saying you're, she, they're more communicative and social while working at home. Yeah, because that's the comfort zone. And often the, what is making that child comfortable is mom and dad or parents or mom and mom or whoever is out there um or grandparents and that can't go to school every day so that's important information to know but how we deal with that once school opens again that's going to be tricky
0: yeah um and you know and this involve your child in this too and open up the conversations with them of hey you seem to be doing well doing this do you know why you don't do this as well at school and ask them what they need or what might help them or what is, um, what is motivating them right now? Or what is, you know, why are they engaging or what are their concerns at school? Why aren't they engaged? Mm-hmm.
1: And and um, having kids read um, and talk about that and write about it, right? There there you, you go. You're getting two things at once. Your child is practicing writing and they're, practicing their language skills, and, and they're also learning how to express what they're feeling. So they're in one little piece. You can get lots of information. And some kids aren't going to be able to write it, but I mean, it's an idea that some kids might be able to. Right.
0: Um, okay, um, having a severe dyslexic, we were just discussing what program to be used and amount of time and days, what do I do now?
1: Yeah, <laughs> what do you know, do now? Well, what you do now really depends on how much time and what you feel like you can do as a parent. You know, there are there are some programs that I've seen used very, very successfully with children with dyslexia. Sande Systems is one that's very parent friendly. And, you know, if you have the resources and the time, that's something that you can access at home um, and, or, and learn how to do and work with your child. If your IEP was well written and really spelled out the um, your child's present ed levels and where they were as far as their decoding and encoding skills, you're going to be able to find a lot of resources online that you can continue to work with your child if your school isn't already providing some things. So I'm assuming how your question was written that they, they haven't really sent anything home or decided anything, but there are resources out there. Uh, it just depends on what you're able to do as a parent. Right.
0: So okay, so it's been about an hour. So we're going to wrap up. Um, again, think about what you have available to you, plan it out. Look at look at what information you have available to yourself and what resources you have available and prioritize, plan it out, and then just execute it and keep notes. Um, And again, accepting that there's going to be some level of regression. It's just, it's inevitable. And it's that focusing on what you can control piece. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we can plan for this at least. At at the very least, we can plan for this. It's not that your child needed a a surgery and all of a sudden they're out for weeks, which I've dealt with three times in the past 18 months. Um, And trust me, that's a much more, hopeless and helpless feeling than what I have right now, um, as far as knowing that my child's gonna be out and knowing that every other child is out as well, um, that his peers aren't in school without him, which is what we've been previously dealing with.
1: Um, all right, any final thoughts from you, Monica? Um, just that we're all in this together and we, everybody who has good ideas, please share them because everyone's looking for good ideas right now. Yeah.
0: Oh, one more question. Sorry. It says, missed the website that Monica references. Can anyone link it?
1: Um, I think I talked about what the only one that I said specifically was Sunday Systems, which there, that's, I don't know that, that there are a lot of providers that are, are offering things free right now. So I'm not sure if that's one of them. I just know that if you're dealing with a child who has dyslexia or struggling with reading decoding, it's a very parent friendly. It was actually designed for parents, as was Barton System. So there's, there are two out there that I would recommend if you have the time and the capacity, and not every parent does. And I did see that Lorraine, who asked the question, said he he needs to go back to the basic. He's at the kindergarten level, um, you know. Not, that's in a way that can kind of almost be good news because teaching. The decoding um, and the phonemic awareness that is at, at kindergarten level is probably a lot easier for parents than it would be when a child gets up to multisyllabic words and some of the more co- uh, difficult vowel combinations and other things. So there are a lot of really great reads. Somebody put that up there. There are a number of sites if you just focus on or, or Google around reading decoding. But what we, what we will do at LDA is make sure that we get some of those those resources and sites up for parents great
0: yeah and remember just keep look at this as an opportunity if you've been really struggling to get your team to to name barton or something in your iep or you know and you're going to do it and do it with fidelity you are going to have that data when you go back that that your Mm -hmm. child made progress using this program so um again we have hundred percent control over our kids' opportunities right now, just as far as what we can provide. And we have all the control on, on the feedback that they're gonna get. So I, I just know that a lot of the complaints I hear from parents as an advocate is how teachers and other professional, and I'm not bagging on teachers, everybody knows I love them, but many of you say that you wish that they would take a different approach with your child. So now is your time to actually control that and have the data on on how that that worked so all right well thank you what is the website what is is it just lda.org oh, LD.
1: i'm i'm looking it up i think it's let me see <laughs> it is Ldaamerica.org. lda
0: and i and i will send out tell you what i'm going to put this all together, whatever we talked about, I'll, I'll put it together and embed the video and the presentation that I wasn't able to present. Um, I will put that all and I'll send it out an email and post it in Facebook sometime today because I have nowhere to go. Um, I'm stuck here like the rest of you. So thank you for tuning in. I'm sure that I will be doing more of these in the coming weeks
1: and thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Lisa.
0: Yep. Thank you for listening to Don't IEP Alone with special education advocate, Lisa Leitner. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. For more information about Lisa, the IEP toolkit, and more ways we can help you in your process, go to a day in shoes.com. From self-care tips to common IEP mistakes, there's even more to explore. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and subscribe to never miss an episode. Until next time, don't IEP alone and you don't have to.